So what's, what's Brexit got to do with me? I mean, life will go on, won't it? Well, you might forgive those who take no interest in politics for maybe asking those questions. Uh, life will go on, uh, whatever happens with Brexit. But as uh, those who do take an active interest know, it'll have an impact on all of us. And in a sense, the obvious question when we start to read uh, chapters of the laws, as Tom just read for us uh, from the Old Testament, is, is so what? You know, what, what's this got to do with me in the 21st century? Uh, you know, are these laws not just of historical interest uh, and they have no relevance for us today? I'm really just a New Testament person. Well, that question, what relevance is a law to us today, uh, that has given rise to whole libraries of books. Uh, and so a short sermon series is not going to either do justice to it or to cover the ground. But I want to say four things today which I hope say something about this question and about this passage. First of all, the, the, the law is the proper response to the God who saves. And then, secondly, the law is for our good. Thirdly, the law remains. And fourthly, the law calls for balance, equity, and value in everyday life. So first of all, the law is the proper response to the God who saves. Now, last week we looked at the, the Ten Commandments, but we didn't look at the, the verses uh, immediately after the Ten Commandments. Uh, when the people saw the thunder and lightning and heard the trumpet and saw the mountain and smoke, they trembled with fear. They stayed at a distance and said to Moses, speak, uh, speak to us yourself and we'll listen, uh, but don't let God speak to us or we'll die. Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. God has come to test you so that the fear of God will be with you to keep you from sinning. The people remained at a distance while Moses approached the thick darkness where God was. Now, the people had already heard the voice of God. Because earlier in chapter 19, we read that the Lord said to Moses, I am going to come to you in a dense cloud so that the people will hear me speaking to you. And will always put their trust in you. So they should have known that they would not die. Uh, but Moses had to remind them not to be afraid. God has come to test you so that the fear of God will be with you to keep from, from sinning. And the word test here isn't like, this isn't like an AQE exam or, or a mock or something. I suppose I maybe shouldn't be using those words because they just bring back bad memories for some folk at the moment. Uh, some, some of our young folk are doing mocks right now. Uh, it's more, instead of a test like that, it's more like, trying something out to get used to it. Uh, in other words, Moses is sort of saying, don't be afraid, God is giving you a taste of himself so that the memory will stick with you and keep you from sinning. You see, having, having experienced deliverance from Egypt, have experienced coming through the Red Sea, experienced the clouds of fire and, and, and the, uh, the pillars of cloud and fire by day and night, heard the voice of God, experienced the lightning and thunder and darkness in the presence of God, the proper response of the people was meant to be humble worship and obedience to the one who had redeemed them. Humble worship and obedience to the one who had redeemed them. And is that not true of us today? 
uh, of believers today. You having experienced the saving love of God, having been forgiven through the mighty power of Jesus' death and resurrection, having heard the voice of the Spirit through his word, drawing us to God, surely worship and obedience are the proper responses of believers to God, the God who has redeemed us today. And so the law is relevant to us in this, and it it reminds us what God has done for us and calls us to a grateful and humble response and a grateful and humble obedience to him. It's the outworking of our redemption. And then secondly, the law is for our good. The last few verses of chapter 20, uh, the Israelites are told once again not to make any gods to be alongside me. Do not make for yourselves gods of silver or gods of gold. God then tells them to make an altar of earth for me and sacrifice on it burnt offerings, fellowship offerings, sheep, goats and cattle and so on. So he gives, and then he gives them other directions about the altar, which are are designed to be the exact opposite of a lot of the Canaanite tribes. Uh, But God also says, wherever I cause my name to be honored, I will come to you and bless you. Wherever I cause my name to be honored, I will come to you and bless you. So God calls them to worship and he calls them to obedience. When they fail, he has given them a system of sacrifices that they may be repentant and have their sins forgiven. And it's all to do with the honor of his name and the blessing of his people. The people that he has called in chapter 19, his treasured possession, a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. So in other words, these laws uh, in, in the book of the covenant, that, that were chapters, chapters 20 to 23 are really called the book of the covenant. These laws are not meant to restrict God's people. They're not meant to oppress them. Uh, they're not meant to be, you know, like a God saying, no, you can't do that. And no, you don't do the other thing. A God of can'ts and don'ts. But rather they're a framework for living holy lives. Lives that are pleasing to God and lives that then receive his blessing. Obedience to these laws attracts the smile of God. And later Jesus would say, whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him, love them and show myself to them. So if we love Jesus, we will obey his commands. Recently, uh, recently in prayer, a member of our, our congregation has been directed by the Holy Spirit to a whole series of, of scripture passages, uh, which she, she has shared with uh, myself and Mike and a few others. Uh, and a lot of them, they, they begin on the theme of of repentance and not continuing to live in sin anymore, not being complacent or nonchalant or matter-of-fact or laid back about sin, and then they move on to living holy lives and receiving God's blessing. You know, and any employer or employee knows that there is usually greater harmony in the workplace when everyone is obeying the rules. they're, They're for our good. They're to direct us. And I wonder... You know, when we look at ourselves, have we become, have I become complacent, matter of fact, laid back about sin? You living and living to please God, I can just sort of take it or leave it. You know, God will be there when I want them, but I can just do whatever I want the rest of the time. And God's my backstop position. 
I'm allowed to use that as well. For those of you who aren't interested, you can ask somebody what the backstop is. There's a whole channel to go down there, but whether we should be trying to get rid of the backstop, not going there, not going there. You know, have we become complacent, matter of fact? You know, is this true of, of me, of you, of you, of us? You know, are there sins that we just continue in? Are there unresolved hurts and grievances that we haven't dealt with? Is the Holy Spirit maybe saying to us this morning, uh, as one of these passages was that was given to us from, from Revelation 2, yet I hold this against you, you have forsaken your first love. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. So is this law relevant? We're called to obey God's law out of gratitude for his grace. And it's the outworking of gratitude through obedience that demonstrates our love for God and attracts his blessing. Wherever I cause my name to be honored, I will come to you and bless you. God calls us to uh, a life of, of obedience to his, his law, which is for our good to attract his blessing. Thirdly, the law remains. The specific laws that, that Tom read for us there in Exodus 21 uh, you know, relate to a, a particular time in the history of God's redeeming work with his people. Uh, and when you add to that, Jesus' words, do not think that I have come to abolish the law of the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, to fulfill them. Uh, then we sort of see the balance there. He came to fulfill and to elaborate upon uh, the, the law uh, that, uh, and, and to emphasize to us that, that just outward adherence to laws doesn't make much difference. It, it's obedience that comes from the heart is the thing that he, he's looking for. Uh, and it doesn't help to discuss you know, which laws apply and which ones don't. Not many of us today have a bull. You know, so we're really not terribly worried about our bull goring somebody. Uh, not many of us have servants. Uh, and so whether or not we're allowed to beat our servant with a rod isn't something that probably gave us a lot of thought when we came to church this morning. You know, uh, but you know, how, how do we sort of decide, well, okay, well, that law is relevant and that law is not. Uh, you know, I can do this today, but I can't do the other. You know, and, and when you get into Leviticus and so on, laws that relate to sexuality, well, they, they're still relevant, but laws about the mixture of different kind of clothing that we wear and whether we eat shellfish or not, we, we don't bother with those. You know, we can get very easily just get into a, a juggling mode of saying, well, okay, I can pick that one and not that one, or that one's relevant, that one isn't relevant. That's not terribly helpful, really, when we're looking at God's law. Uh, the, the laws here in Exodus and in the Pentateuch in general should best be seen as examples rather than exhaust, an exhaustive list. Uh, and I found this comment from Sinclair Ferguson hel helpful. He says, Commandments are the railroad tracks on which the life empowered by the love of God poured into the heart by the Holy Spirit runs. Love empowers the engine. Law guides the direction. I think that's a, that's a helpful way to look at the law in general, that love empowers the engine, that the law guides the direction of obedience. We can't do without one or the other. They are mutually dependent on one another. And that other uh, illustrious theologian, Michael McCormick, uh, adds this comment. 
the point of the law for us is that as we love Jesus, we will desire to become more like Christ. And so we will desire to live closer to the law. And in doing this, we will be holy people. So the law remains with relevance today. And then fourthly, the law calls for balance, equity, and value in everyday life. And that's really when we come to this chapter 21 that we're reading here. Um, the law calls for balance, equity, and value in everyday living as a people of God. I've, I've loosely called this, uh, this chapter Laws of the Person because it focuses on uh, slaves or servants and relationships there, human relationships, uh, and on personal injury, uh, although the chapter is far more complex than that. Uh, and the key thing, I think, for us to note here is that the laws here are to promote balance and equity and value uh, of the person in a way that would, in a way that would have been very contrary to the laws of other surrounding nations. Uh, let's take slavery, for example, to start with. Isn't it interesting that in this book of the covenant, having given the Ten Commandments, that the first place that God directs Moses to is to talk about slavery? Given that he had just brought these hundreds of thousands of people who had been slaves in Egypt, out of Egypt. He unpacks, in other words, what the implications of the Ten Commandments are for how they should, for how they should treat slaves. And the word slavery here, the word slave, we need to get out of our mind. It's not the kind of slavery that William Wilberforce worked so hard to end. That, that's not really what's meant here. And nor is a kind of child labor or trafficked slavery, slavery we know of today. Yes, money changed hands, but what we're talking about here is something closer to servanthood. Uh, you know, a, a poor Israelite, for example, could sell himself or a member of his family into servanthood to survive. But can you imagine going to a plantation owner and telling them he must let the servant go free after six years? And if he had a wife, then the wife has to go free with her too, with him too. And neither could we imagine going to a modern-day slaver uh, and saying, you, uh, you, uh, slavery, and the servant declaring, I love my master and my wife and children so much I don't want to go free, uh, and so I'll go and have my ear pierced, and that'll be a sign that I'm going to be my master's for, forever and work for him forever. So what we're talking about here is a different, it's more, it's closer to servanthood than it is to the kind of slavery that we might have in our mind, although property rights were in place and so on. And also, given the low place of women in the ancient world, you know, it's remarkable that these laws even make sure that female servants are given basic human rights. And so we see here one example of the outworking of the value of human life that we noted last week is expressed in the Ten Commandments. You know, if we talk about you shall not murder, well, what, what does that actually look like in, a lot of, in, in, in practice? What, what happens if a man kills another? What happens if he kills another one accidentally? What happens if his bull gores somebody? And what happens if his bull gores somebody when he's already been told to pen the bull up? What happens then? You know, and, and, and please, sir, what happens when... You can imagine this all working out in people's heads. And so we're, we've given examples here uh, uh, of the unpacking of the Ten Commandments. And then what about personal injury? 
Well, the most famous part of this chapter, of course, is what's known as the law of talion. Uh, but if there is serious injury, you are to take life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, wound for wound, bruise for bruise. And to be honest, that sounds pretty harsh in most people's books these days. Uh, but a couple of things to say about this. Firstly, it is basically the principle that punishment should be appropriate to the crime. That punishment should be appropriate to the crime. If you take the verses before the law of Talion. It says, if people are fighting and hit a pregnant woman and she gives birth prematurely or has a miscarriage, but there is no serious injury to the woman, the offender must be fined whatever the woman's husband demands and the court allows. The punishment is not literally to take the life of the person who committed the accidental crime. Okay? And then, likewise, if you take the verses immediately after the law of Talion, it says, an owner who hits a male or female slave in the eye and destroys it must let the slave go free for com to, to compensate for the eye. And an owner who knocks out the tooth of a male or female slave must let the slave go free to compensate for the tooth. So the owner is not to lose an eye or a tooth, but the punishment is to be appropriate to the crime. That's really what, the, what we're talking about here in the law of Talion, or Lex Talionis, as it's called. And, and then secondly, this law of Talion was to bring greater equity and law, uh, and, in law and punishment uh, to the people of Israel than existed in the world in which they lived. And it was to give greater value to human life than to property. Another example, uh, in the ancient Hammurabi Code, which goes back to 1750 BC, uh, a murderer was only required to pay financial compensation to the victim's family, while capital punishment was required for breaking and entering or for theft. And that was hardly punishment being appropriate to the crime. Under British law, you used to, people used to be hanged for stealing a sheep. And that was because we had forgotten the law of Talion. Now, I, I'm, personally, I'm not an advocate anymore uh, of capital punishment. And mainly because people cannot be relied upon to tell the truth in court. And so people could be uh, taken to the gallows or the electric chair, whatever it is, simply by people lying about them. But in ancient Israel, the normal method of capital punishment was stoning by the whole community. So if someone committed a murder, the whole community would stone them to death because it was the whole community were saying that this is, this is unacceptable, this is, not, this is not right according to God's truth. And those who were witnesses accusing the accused were the ones who had to throw the stones first. And so there was a lot more pressure on to be truthful. And so the, these laws, in a sense, were a step up from the laws that existed all around Israel at that time. They were more equitable and more balanced. They were to give greater value to human life than to property. They were to, to provide a shape, if you like, a framework for a community to live who had just come out of slavery. And you can imagine these people, they, they were in Egypt. They, they couldn't go where they wanted. They couldn't do what they wanted. They had to operate by the rules of the Egyptians. And suddenly they come out, they find themselves a nation. Well, what does that look like? Where's the constitution? 
What laws do we live by? And God is saying, you're not going to live by the laws of the Egyptians and you're not going to live by the laws of the Canaanites. These are the laws you're going to live by. And the laws that you're going to live by were a good step up from all these other people around them. They were to give direction like railway lines and how they are to live, giving value to human life, greater balance and greater equity to human life. And so, a few cannots. We, we can't just take these laws and apply them wholesale to us today. I think we would recognize that. Secondly, we can't take these laws willy-nilly and apply some and not others, uh, whatever sort of takes our fancy. We do need to know, notice, that as a church, we are no longer a physical nation. These were laws for a physical nation, and we are not that. The church is universal now. Uh, Peter ends in his commentary, he says this, These laws were specific to Israel's impending entrance into the promised land. They were given to serve a purpose for the Israelites at this particular stage in redemptive history. And so we cannot and we must not, as Paul repeatedly warns us in Galatians, see obedience to the law, even obedience to the Ten Commandments, as a means of making us right with God. We can't ignore all the other laws as well, but we can see how they fit into the broad outworking and principle of the Ten Commandments. Because as Jesus pointed out, the law has not gone away. It has abiding relevance. And he expounded and expanded on the Ten Commandments, railway tracks that give direction to uh, a life of loving obedience to God. And the, the, the light of the resurrection Believers in Christ Jesus are no longer under law, but under grace. We are set free. We are not bound by the law, but we are to obey the law out of love for God and to bring glory to his holy name. Let me finish again with another quote from Peter Rains. He says, I remain convinced that we as Christians are supposed to glean from the book of the covenant, that what we are supposed to glean from the book of the covenant is an understanding of the nature of God and what he requires of his people. <clears throat> what Jesus summarized as loving God and treating your neighbor as yourself. Most important, as with the Israelites, the Christian's view of the law must first be rooted in the knowledge of what God has done apart from the law. He has called us from darkness to light. <coughs> He has called us to darkness, from darkness to light. And therefore, we are to live as children of light. And our obedience to the law of God, the Ten Commandments, is meant to be a demonstration of living as children of light, of living out of love for God and out of gratitude to him. Let's pray.